0: Hey there, my name is Vosh. I live stream on YouTube and sometimes, accidentally, in spite of myself, something funny or interesting happens. This is Previously Live. If you've seen this video before, if you've seen somebody respond to Ben Shapiro debunks, epically owns, viral, racism, systemic, explained... If you've seen that before, you can leave. Just go. Just get it. Get out of here. Okay. I know Xanderhal already did it. I'm sure he did a great job. I know Destiny already did it. I'm sure he did a great job. I'm really sorry. I have to do it because I saw it, like two minutes of it and it's so fucking stupid. I have to. I'm really sorry. I have no it's choice. An art- get ready for the Ben Shapiro beatdown hour. Let's go.
1: Okay. So. There's a video that is going around on Facebook and on YouTube. It's from ACT TV called Systemic Racism Explained. It makes some interesting arguments, and I thought it's worthwhile going through
2: them a little
0: Does Ben Shapiro look different? He, did he change his hair?
2: I think he changed his hair.
0: He looks smaller. I think, you know what? I'm going to open this on a hot take. I actually think he looks cute here. Uh, you know what i'll take i'll take the hit i think he looks cute i don't know if it was the hair change or something i think he looks a little cute here okay it's my humble opinion just my humble opinion
1: Well bet. so we're going to play the video we'll stop it we'll discuss this video is sponsored by the benham brothers no nope. right the end of the
3: he has a friend named kevin sales this is jamal jamal is a boy who lives in a poor neighborhood he has a friend named kevin who lives in a wealthy neighborhood True. All of Jamal's neighbors are African American. True. And all of Kevin's neighbors are white. True. Because Jamal's school district is mostly funded by property taxes, his school is not very well funded. His true. classrooms are overcrowded, his teachers are underpaid, and he doesn't have access to high quality tutors or extracurricular activities. Very Kevin's true. school district is also funded by property taxes. So his school is very well funded. His classrooms are never.
0: This is like a little Sim City kind of thing, you know? Ooh, that would actually be a really good addition to Sim City. Um, if, like, every, if, like, when you break up your city into, like, neighborhoods or boroughs, and it was the property taxes of an area that contributed to, like, the funding of some of the, um, some of the, like, districts in there, that would actually make it a lot more interesting, yeah. Well, yeah, where's the redlining option in SimCity? Or City Skylines, the better SimCity
3: ever crowded his teachers are very well paid and he has access to high quality tutors and lots of extracurricular activities
1: so let's talk for a second about school policy the reality is that if you wanted jamal to be able to go to kevin's school what you'd want is something called school vouchers you want people to, oh. be able to move away from their school districts one of the chief reasons that jamal is confined oh. to his local public school is because of democratic policy that has decided that you must go to school in the district where you live
0: so oh boy so First of all, unironically, forehead, just move. Okay, there are so many things wrong with this right off the fucking bat. First of all, that doesn't solve the problem. What, you just want to like abandon your neighborhood? Like ever so do you so we're talking about systemic issues to fix systemic problems that affect millions of people, not giving advice to one single individual kid to give them a good life. So do you want literally hundreds of thousands or millions of poor people to all take vouchers to their local schools? You do realize that A, the nicer schools in that area cannot like handle this increase in um in a a student accommodation. B, um, not every single one of those students is going to be even remotely close to a neighboring school. Like some of these commutes are going to be like 30, 40, 50 minutes away from parents who do not have the money to hire drivers and do not have the time to take out of their work schedule to spend two hours schlepping people back and forth Um, Third of all, you're just leaving these neighborhoods to rot so nobody should go to schools in poor districts? This is one of the fundamental issues with the brain-dead libertarian solution to poverty. Well, if you just do this and this, just start your own business. Yeah, motherfucker, we're trying to find solutions to problems that affect lots of people, and not everyone can do the things you're talking about. One person can start a new business, maybe, if they're lucky and have the right skills. If everyone just starts a new business, there will be nobody to work in those businesses, so there will still need to be people subject to the system of inequality we're talking about. You literally just want to leave these ghettos to rot, like everyone just drives out for an hour, and we just leave entire sections of the United States of America, wastelands, with no money, with no resources, and if you're born there and you don't have the resources necessary to get a voucher to another school, you're just literally fucked? This is such an unbelievably fucking brain-dead thought. Like, oh, well, huh. This is like this is this is this is like the district equivalent of like, oh, oh your house is dirty. I borrowed this one from Destiny's video. Copyright Destiny. Your house is dirty. We'll just move to a new house, dude. You don't want to get the government to clean up, do you? Just mo- just move. Just move to a new house. Just keep just keep moving. Just keep just just keep mo- And if that house gets dirty, just move along. Just, just keep on going. And mind you, those neighboring schools, I, I'm telling you, could not get um, enough funding on their own to accommodate like a 20, 30, 40, 50% increase in their, um, in their student attendance. Which means that those schools are going to start to do poorly as well because you're literally like fucking doubling the class size. And the problem comes with. And then people like Ben Shapiro will be like, huh. Well, as all the black students moved out of the ghetto to start to go to nicer schools, you'll notice their educational attainment didn't increase and those schools started to do poorer. Makes you really wonder about the people who are moving to those schools, huh? Well, yeah, because the the systemic problem was the overcrowding and the underfunding which they bring with them by overcrowding these new schools. Ben Shapiro probably wouldn't actually do, like, the race crime shit, but other people would. And Ben Shapiro frequently, like, pouts those arguments, or at least bolsters them with his own.
1: And this is also why a lot of people have left lower income areas and moved out to higher income areas specifically for better public schools. So
0: if but you- not everyone can do that. My parents moved from a poorer part of L.A. to Beverly Hills and paid an enormous amount of their total income just in rent so I could get a good education. But Beverly Hills only got so many fucking houses and only got so many fucking class seats. OK, we can't do that for everyone. We have to fix the parts of the country. We can't just schlep everyone to the better area. If you want them all to have the same educational opportunities as Kevin, perhaps
1: you should have school vouchers for private schools, or perhaps you should have charter schools, which is what Mayor Bill de Blasio in New York is fighting against, or perhaps you should break the teachers unions, which are costing a fortune, particularly on a disproportionate level in areas where they're not spending enough taxpayer dollars, so-
0: I haven't seen any evidence to this effect, by the way. Um, this whole, like, teacher unions are the devil sort of thing. I know there are issues with teachers unions, and I'm sure there are very legitimate, like, reforms that can be made. I have never seen any evidence that teachers unions are, like, the, the cause of schools failing. I just, I, I haven't. So, yeah, I, I just, I've never seen that.
1: I'm all for improving Jamal's schools. I'm also all for Jamal having all the same educational opportunities as Kevin.
0: Wait, then if you're for improving Jamal's school, why aren't we talking about that? That's literally what the subject of the video was about. Why go in this massive departure about how actually poor people should all just spend four hours a day commuting to the local fucking white people district where the property taxes are higher? The problem is most Democrats are not.
3: Kevin and Jamal Ah. live only a few streets away from each other. So how come they're growing up in such different worlds with such different opportunities for success? The answer has to do with America's history of systemic racism. True. To understand it better, let's look at what life was like for Kevin and Jamal's grandparents.
1: In order to understand what's going to happen in this video.
0: What can he possibly object to here?
1: You have to understand how systemic racism is being defined. Uh-oh. Systemic racism is really amorphous term.
2: It could mean many things. It could mean that the institutions of today are racist, in which case everyone would oppose them. Or it could.
0: Well, obviously, these institutions can't be racist, because if they were racist, people wouldn't like them. Excellent logic, Ben Shapiro. You really... (laughs) Nailed it to the wall with that one.
1: ...could mean that all inequality is explainable by racism, which, of course, is not sustainable. It's not a good argument.
0: Uh... I'll respond to that one in a second.
1: The argument that this video is going to try to make is that all of history has meaning. And that is true. History does have consequences for today. What? The problem is, as we'll see, the video tries to explain all inequality with reliance on history and no inequality with response to exacerbating levels of income inequality, exacerbating levels of single motherhood, personal decision making, or any of the other variables that could come into creating the gaps we see today.
0: Okay, we need to have a talk about what systemic racism means. Are we ready to have that conversation? Let's do it. We're bringing up the paint. Now, in the legal... Is Bastiat still here? He can affirm this, just so everyone knows I'm not talking out my ass. But in case he's not, I will continue to say what I was going to say anyway. (sighs) So listen, there are different components of systemic racism that we can look at when we're talking about the ways in which a society disproportionately affects a certain group of people, okay? So the easiest type of racism to explain the, the this is like this is what this is what people like Ben Shapiro need to see for them to believe in the existence of um of um of systemic racism okay it needs to be why is it so small it needs to be explicit racism this is the easiest component to prove if you can um If you can, uh, nice font, thanks. Not how you spell explicit, but we'll fix that. If you can, um, nice font, yeah, it's called Alien Encounters. I use it for my thumbnails. Anyway, for explicit racism, explicit racism would be like the Jim Crow laws. Explicit racism would be like slavery. Explicit racism would be like, um... Well, it would be like the racial equivalent of the Trump administration recently rolling back medical protections for gay and transgender people. It is on the books. It is observable. It is inarguable. Very, very easy, okay? Very easy. That's what people like Ben Shapiro need to prove that it's a thing. And then you have something called implicit racism. Implicit racism exists. Generally fast yet, I'm gonna need you in a second. Impl- Wait, I did it again. How do I keep doing that? I don't know how that keeps happening, folks. Sorry, this doesn't normally happen to me. Ooh. Implicit racism exists when there are racist outcomes without anyone explicitly like burning a cross. So let me give you guys an example, okay? I've been compiling this research document. I'll do a full stream in it soon, um, and. Uh, I've been compiling a lot of stuff in here on uh, institutional racism, okay? So here's an example right here. Demographic differences in, sen- in sentencing. An update to the 2012 Booker Report. This is a government um, uh, paper right here from the United States Sentencing Commission, okay? So if anyone wants to doubt the legitimacy or the authenticity or the the impartiality of this document, you're free to take it up with the United States Sentencing Commission, okay? In the meantime, this data looks good to me. And what it argues is, and I will read it from the article, extensive multivariate regression analysis indicates black male offenders receive about 20% longer federal sentences than similarly situated white male offenders. In this context, similarly situated means that they're of similar economic backgrounds, they committed the same crimes, they have the same number of priors, essentially all of the associated factors that go into sentencing length. And yet, black men get sentenced longer. It is the opinion of the researchers who contributed to this paper that implicit bias causes judges to use judicial, um, uh, um, uh, judicial discretion, generally speaking, to give black men uh, longer sentences than white men. Now, at no point in the course of this paper do they ever say, um, do they ever say, well, the judges say you're black, so therefore you're going to be in prison for longer. In all likelihood, it's not explicit bias that um, that leads to this disparity. It's implicit. It's people having these long-held social preconceptions that influence their, out, their, their decision-making. Here's another really great example, okay? Um, mol- many studies, which are also in my document, have shown that when uh, mock jurors are given evidence on an alleged crime, like a bank robbery, for example, that evidence becomes much more guilty. Um, the more dark-skinned the person they're looking at is, so they'll look at like two like shaky photographs of like a a bank like a you know security camera and stuff like that, and one of them it'll be Photoshop like one of them will be like a light-skinned person and one of them will be a very dark-skinned person, and overwhelmingly like the mock jury will indicate they feel a greater degree of implicit criminality in the darker-skinned stuff. So that's literally just skin color being the only factor there because it's a it's a mock. It's, it's, a, it's a controlled test, you know? That's implicit racism. Implicit racism is the idea that even without intending to, it is very possible for us to replicate um, um, uh, uh, racist outcomes. And then finally, we have the last conceivable factor of, of systematic racism. And this is the one that triggers the fuck out of conservatives. This one gets some real upset.
2: Racism by outcome.
0: Let me ask you something. I'm genuinely curious. Here is a fact generational poverty exists. We do not have perfect wealth mobility in this country. If you are born poor, you're more likely to die poor. And if you're born wealthy, you're more likely to die wealthy. People generally stick to whatever economic quartile they're born into. That's just a fact of economics in this country. That's not disputable. That is a thing that happens. With that being said, what was black wealth when the Civil Rights Act was passed? How was black wealth doing? How are they doing, you know, generally speaking? How many businesses do you think black people own? How many houses, how much generational wealth were they working off of? Not that great. Now imagine a world with no explicit or implicit racism where people are completely race neutral okay there is absolutely no racism in people's decision making people are we are robots now okay imagine that world but imagine that in that world people still tend to die in the same economic quartile they're born into and black people still did not have as much wealth after the civil rights act was passed What would the outcome of that be?
2: Well, the outcome, even in a completely racism-neutral world, would be long-standing black poverty.
0: It's mathematically guaranteed that this would be the case. If you have white folks starting up here and black folks starting down here, and people tend to stay where they are relative to other groups, as we move forward into the future, that pattern is going to be maintained. There's no leveling force. We don't have some sort of like um, hyper-progressive wealth distribution system that pulls people towards the middle. In our country, wealthy people tend to stay wealthy, poor people tend to stay poor. And that is the disparity which has been replicated generation after generation. Regression towards the mean is a thing. No, no, not really. Not in not in economics. Um, regression towards the mean works for like normal distributions when there's a pull towards the center. But in economics, if you're born poor, like there's no, like there's no guarantee you're going to be pulled further towards um further towards middle class. And if you're wealthy, there's no guaranteed you're going to be pulled further towards middle class. Yeah, in fact, it probably gets worse because when you're poor, you get worse schooling, you get worse uh, outcomes, you get worse neighborhoods, you get higher rates of criminality, you get fewer, like, uh, dual-parent households, and then you get more shit, like, piling up that maintains the poverty, and if you're wealthy, your kids get super fucking nice schools, super fucking nice medical care, they get nannies, they get tutors, they get everything that they need. If you're born wealthy in this country and you die poor, you fucked up massively at some point along the, the lines. You you did something really dumb somewhere o- over the course of your lifetime because the deck was stacked in your favor. And likewise, the deck was stacked against the people who are already poor. And that is racism by outcome. And that triggers the fuck out of conservatives. The idea that there can still be racist outcomes even if nobody in the system is acting with a racial bias. All of these things are bad. All of these things contribute towards the problems black people experience in this country. Explicit racism you can outlaw, at least in the legal sense, and you can discourage socially. Implicit racism needs to be um, discouraged culturally, and you can compensate for it, With um, means tested programs that are meant to help people who are the victims of implicit racism. And racism by outcome is the easiest thing of all to address because we do not need to prove intent on any level. Are black families struggling disproportionately? Okay, what can we do in those neighborhoods? How can we invest? What programs can we buy into? What schools can we invest in? What policies can we develop? We don't need to prove intent. We don't need to fuck around with who's in the wrong. We see an inequality, and we address it. It's that simple. At least, it's supposed to be that simple. That's systemic racism. If somebody like Ben Shapiro wants to call that nebulous and undefined, I mean, I learned it in, like, SOCH 101. I mean, that was, like, day one shit for me. Um, you know, I mean, he went to Harvard Law, if I recall correctly. Wait, did he go to Harvard Law? Yeah, Harvard Law School, 2007. Yeah. He went to Harvard Law. I don't think this should be like too, I don't think this should be like too much for him, but that's okay. So just so you guys know, when I talk about systemic racism from this point forward, my goal is going to be to explain why there is a disproportionate outcome and what can be done to address it.
3: Decades after the civil war, Many government agencies started to draw maps dividing cities into sections that were either desirable or undesirable for investment. This practice was called redlining.
0: Get it? Because they use red lines? And it
3: usually blocked off entire black neighborhoods from access to private and public investment. Banks and insurance companies used these maps for decades to deny black people loans and other services based purely on race. Historically speaking, Owning a home and getting a college education is the easiest way for an American family to build wealth. But when Jamal's grandparents wanted to buy a house, the banks refused because they lived in a neighborhood that was redlined. So Jamal's grandparents were not able to buy a home and because colleges could prevent them from attending through legal segregation, their options for higher education were really scarce.
1: So let's talk about redlining. Redlining became illegal in the United States as early as 1968. The Mm -hmm. Equal Credit Opportunity Act was followed by the Home Mortgage Disclosure Act in 1975, which was a predecessor to the Community Reinvestment Act, both of which were an attempt to ensure that people who are living in low income minority neighborhoods could actually get loans.
0: And these things were very effective. In 1992 researchers- So just to clarify, when we're talking about massive generational wealth disparities, 50 years is fucking nothing. Are you kidding me? 50 years? There are black people alive today who are old enough to still get erections without the use of medication who remember being second-class citizens before the Civil Rights Act. Those people would have been alive to have known their great-grandparents who would have been, if not slaves themselves, then the children of slaves. We are not far off at all. And this is the issue with this, like, well, we've taken care of the racism, so everything should have sorted itself out. Guys, if you're running a marathon, and it's 1952, and someone runs up with a snub nose and caps you in the fucking knee, this affects your running ability, obviously. And then, like, ten years later, the ref runs up, and they're like, Whoa, 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 whoa. You can't cap people in the knee anymore. You can't do that. You're not allowed to do that.
2: And then they just walk away. You, your your knee's still
0: shot. It's, you didn't you didn't fix the problem. You just kept it from happening again. And in the case of redlining, it's even arguable to the extent as, as to the extent to which we've even prevented it from happening again. You didn't fix the issue. You can't just like get rid of. The ability for people to fuck people over and then expect people to get over the fact that they were fucked over. There isn't an economic trend towards the center in this country. That doesn't exist. Stickiness at the ends.
1: At the Federal Reserve Bank of Boston tried to look at the data. They collected information on some 30 variables related to lending decisions. They found that virtually all of the difference between minority and non-minority denial rates was explained by those variables. A reanalysis
0: of that. Ah, by those variables. Like Poverty. Now, why would black people be more likely to be poor than white people? You know, if you set up a system where black people are made poor, and then you say, oh, you can't discriminate with your loans against black people anymore, only poor people, you haven't really fixed the problem. No shit if you account for those variables the disparity is accounted for. You made them poor. You can't just do, like, this race-neutral approach, because that doesn't fix the issue.
1: That information found that black-owned banks were actually lending to white-owned businesses at higher rates than they were lending to black-owned businesses. Furthermore, if it seemed...
0: Yeah, because black-owned businesses are more likely to have unstable credit ratings, be in poor neighborhoods, and be owned by poor people. Yeah. So we didn't fix the issue. We just changed the criteria by which we maintain the same system of discrimination
1: that banks were discriminating against black borrowers on the basis of they needed to have higher credit qualifications, what you would see is lower default rates from black clients of banks, from people who are borrowing money from banks in the black community. There are zero studies that show any of this. So the bottom line is this, redlining was an evil and awful policy. It was made
0: in the Wikipedia page, it literally says, Although it was made illegal in the 1970s, the practice may have continued in less overt ways, like redlining continued. Actually, the Wikipedia article on redlining like talks about how um talks about how like the trends haven't been changed like at all. This is literally just like me Google searching like while reading this. Like These are literally, like, the top art- like, this isn't, like, (laughs) disputed this isn't disputed! Are you a civic planner now, Ben Shapiro? Because all the people who actually study this stuff- I mean, like, this isn't, like, difficult? I don't know, like, you- I I mean, you can just, like, scroll through, I guess? Here's the Fair Housing Act that he got really hard over just 30 seconds ago. In cities like Jacksonville and St. Louis, maps of mortgage approvals and home values in black neighborhoods look the same as they did decades ago before the passage of the landmark fair housing law. Well, shit. These are the people who just want to blame all black poverty on black culture, by the way.
1: Legal in the 1960s. By the 1980s, it, the banks were not lending at disproportionate rates. In fact, if you look at among different communities, as Thomas Sowell has pointed out, Asian Americans get loans more easily than white Americans. That does not mean the banks are being racist toward white Americans on behalf of of Asian Americans.
0: The reason why Asian Americans get loans disproportionately is because a lot of the Asians who come into this country are wealthy Chinese business owners or the children of business owners who come here to America to benefit from our educational system. And because they're more wealthy, they have higher credit scores, which means that it's much easier for them to get the loans than, uh, uh, than like a... De- and like a, a, a native resident of this country. The same uh, takes place with Nigerians, by the way. Most of the Nigerian immigrants here in America are wealthy as shit, they're like doctors and stuff. Do you think the average poor Nigerian can afford to come over here to America? We're selecting for the wealthier groups of people.
1: When it comes to college education, it is also worth noting that yes, there are many universities that were segregated. There are many universities that did not allow black people to attend. Since the 1970s, the most prominent measure that has been used in order to admit black students to m- major universities across the country has been affirmative action, which actively discriminates against people who are not black in favor of black applicants, specifically by ensuring that black applicants don't have to have the same test scores or GPAs in order to get into those same schools. So
0: This is not true, by the way. I know there are a lot of people who freak out about affirmative action. But first of all, affir- people the way people talk about affirmative action, they act like it's like they, uh, this is because I see neo-Nazi comics about this, you know, and that's this is what they this is what they think. Okay, they think like a nice white boy comes in and they're like, "Hey, I have a 4.2 GPA. Here are my extracurriculars." He's wearing a suit and everything. He looks like a little mini bench Shapiro. He comes like, "Hello, um, I have a 4.2 GPA and um, my extracurriculars are excellent. And here you go. I recently donated all of my bone marrow to a uh, recent charity. So here we go." And then Tyrone comes in. Hey, yo, what's up, white boy? Well, what do I know? Shooting hoops. All right, peace. And then like, and then like the fucking, the, 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 the fucking admissions officer has to be like, hmm. Hmm. No, like that's like, that's what they think it is. That is what they believe it is. That is right now. That's what Ben Shapiro is thinking Ben Shapiro is thinking right now I don't want my daughters being cucked out by these big black like that's what they're thinking right now But in reality in reality first of all affirmative action usually stipulates that in uh, Situations where there are two people of equal qualifications um, It's suggested you take the minority member which makes sense think about it if we're talking about averages a black kid who gets a 4.0 GPA probably worked harder than a white kid who has a 4.0 GPA because the black kid was more likely to have had to have done that while overcoming other associated socioeconomic uh, factors than the white kid. Like, if you're taking two kids from two neighborhoods, one of them is from Compton and the other one is from Beverly Hills, and they both have a 4.0, I know who worked harder for that 4.0. Like, that's... a I know for a fucking fa—like, yeah, you know, even—honestly, forget extracurriculars, I know who worked harder, okay? Now, again, we're speaking about averages here. I'm not saying every black student with equal grades to every white student did better than those white students, but we're talking about averages. The stipulations surrounding affirmative action are much more complicated and much more individual than people like Ben Shapiro like to pretend they are. Where it's literally just going like, well, we need to meet the black quota for this week, and uh, let's see, we've got this guy, uh, this guy didn't know how to speak English, and uh, this person had a bone through their nose, and you know what, fuck it, we need to we need to fill the government quota. I really do think that's what con- conservatives like think. I-, I actually think, yeah, quotas are illegal. But you can't do them. Um, I think I think that's what they think. Have you ever seen like a Facebook post or like a screen cap of one from some angry mom screaming about how their little boy didn't get to go to an Ivy League university probably because of some black? I know you've seen those posts. I've seen them so many times. I know that's not good data collection or anything, but I know this sentiment is out there. People really genuinely believe that affirmative action is causing all the hyper-qualified whites to lose their jobs to like stupid black people. Um, now, is Ben Shapiro saying that outright here? No, but I do know that people who listen to this are going to hear that in his arguments.
1: So Not only has policy been corrected, it's been overcorrected in these areas.
0: Not an outcome. Kevin's
3: grandparents, on the other hand, got a low interest loan to buy their first house and get accepted into a handful of top
0: universities. Yeah, like overcorrected, he says, as redlining is still an issue and black wealth is still like 150th the average white wealth
3: universities, which traditionally only accepted white students. This opened up a wealth of opportunities that they were able to pass on to
0: their kids and grandkids.
1: The basic assumption of this video is that if your grandparents are rich in the United States, this means that you are rich in the United States.
0: Nope means you're more likely to be rich.
1: And if your grandparents are poor in the United States, that means that you are poor in the
0: more likely to be poor in
1: the United States. This is factually untrue. The reality Holy is shit. that income changes over time. That there are an enormous number of people in the United States, by percentage, who are able to rise from poor to middle class, and their children from middle
0: class to. What is enormous? What a weasel word. What does what that? What does that mean exactly? Enormous. Economic Mobility Across Generations. I haven't read this document. I could, Guys, I could end up getting blown the fuck out right now. Pursuing the American Dream, Economic Mobility Across Generations from Pew Charitable Trusts. I haven't read this. It's totally possible I might get fucking obliterated right now. So let's see. Family income, family wealth. Let's see
2: if we can't find ourselves.
0: There is sticky, here we go, stickiness at the ends of the wealth ladder. 66% of those raised at the bottom of the wealth ladder remain on the bottom two rungs themselves, and 66% of those raised in the top of the wealth ladder remain in the top two lungs. Blacks have a harder time exceeding their family income and wealth of parents than whites. 66% of blacks raised in the second quintile surpassed their parents' family income, compared with 89% of whites. Only 23% of blacks raised in the middle surpassed their parents' family wealth compared with over half, 56% of whites. Hmm. Blacks are more likely to be stuck in the bottom and fall from the middle than are whites. Over half of blacks raised in the bottom of the family income remain stuck in the bottom as adults compared with only a third of whites. Half of blacks raised in the middle of the family income ladder fall to the bottom two rungs as adults compared with just under a third of whites. Half of blacks raised in the bottom of the family wealth ladder remain stuck in the bottom as adults compared with only a third of whites. That's interesting. More than two-thirds of blacks raised in the middle fall to the bottom two rungs of the ladder as adults compared with just a third of whites. Holy shit! More than two-thirds of blacks raised in uh, middle-class circumstances fall to poverty compared to just a third of whites. Jesus Christ! There are a lot of really complicated economic tendencies associated with the differentiation, like of wealth and like time. Um, generally speaking, children tend to make more than their parents. The reason for that being, in large part, because wages rise with time, and also because um, uh, uh, the average um, the average um, uh, child, what's the term birth rate uh, has been decreasing in this country meaning that there are fewer children, which means more wealth can be invested into the raising of the fewer number of children. There are a lot of demographic changes over the course of the past century that have contributed to that general trend. But with, um, with regards to, it seems black people specifically, there seem to be some sort of socioeconomic conditions that are keeping them towards the bottom, like way more than other groups, um, which is, um, you know, not great. This article actually seems to be like relatively optimistic about wealth mobility in America. And even they have evidence indicating that there's a massive racial bias in that regards. This is stuff that I'm going to be adding to my uh, research document, but I don't, have it, uh, I don't have it there at the moment. Yeah, a phenomenon known as stickiness at the end. Um, Americans raised at the top and bottom of their fam- family income ladder are likely to remain there as adults. Yeah, I mean, now mind you, there are always going to be individuals who exceed their circumstances. Nobody has ever denied that. When people like Ben Shapiro use extremely all-encompassing language, like, well, you're saying everyone born wealthy dies wealthy, and everyone born poor dies poor, what they're setting themselves up for is the incredibly easy argument that, well, some people exceed their circumstances, and that's totally true, but that wasn't my argument, because my goal isn't to have a society in which, if you're lucky, you get to escape generational poverty. My goal is to eliminate generational poverty. So, let's see him gallivant about this for a while.
1: To wealthy, the biggest problem that we have in the United States right now is not a historic wealth gap. The biggest problem we have is an income gap in the United States. And there's some fascinating statistics surrounding this. There was a Harvard study recently that showed that black males who are growing up in the same household incomes as white males were actually underperforming their white male counterparts, even in high income neighborhoods.
0: Why do you think that is, Ben Shapiro? Do you have an explanation for that?
1: You would think that all of this might imply racism, except for one inconvenient fact Uh in the study. Uh Black women who are growing up in the same high-income neighborhoods as white women growing up in the same high-income neighborhoods. Black women were performing at exactly the same or higher rates than white women in those neighborhoods.
0: Well, it's a good thing there are no specific culture or legal problems that black men specifically are disproportionately saddled with. Hmm. It's It's a good thing there are no specific... Uh, Issues there. Um, Just so you guys know, with regards to the research document, almost all of the data on the disproportionate um, sentencing rates between black and white people is for black and white men. Um, Black and white women are, at least with regards to how they're treated by the criminal justice system, not that different. Because when we say the the phrase scary black man as a sort of derivative like of the, the media, you know, like Fox News, like the thug archetype, you know, it's always black and it's always a man. The story needs both of those characteristics. So it is men in this respect who are getting these these assertions saddled with them. I mean, think of everything like black men specifically deal with in this country with regards to the media perception of them. Everything from there being a legitimate debate as to whether or not George Zimmerman was in the right to murder a fucking black teenager to all of the uh, police reports, you know, like, I felt threatened, like, he looked huge. There's actual data, by the way, on how black men are perceived to be larger and more muscular than uh, white men of the exact same size. Literally, exact same weight, Exact same size, exact same shoulder breadth, same height, everything. And the black man looks much larger. On average, in the eyes of the people who are surveyed. Um, Interesting. There is a unique intersection between the perceived social perceived unintelligence of black people and the socially perceived violence of men that lends the idea that black men specifically are the, uh, the bestial threat against which the racist, you know, the, the more white supremacist types are trying to defend this country. Such is life.
1: Which, which would suggest that there are other factors at play other than simple racism. Furthermore, the basic idea that most wealth in the United States is inherited and that millionaires are really only millionaires because their parents were millionaires
0: well, nobody's talking about this, Ben. This is literally irrelevant to the... Nobody... Most wealth in the U.S. is inherited? Who the fuck said that? I have never heard that claim in my life. I mean, probably a lot, of it is, a lot of it is inherited, but I have never... Like, this is literally irrelevant to what we're talking about.
1: That really isn't true either. The vast majority Damn. of millionaires and billionaires are people whose parents were not millionaires and billionaires. Chris Hogan, who's a black financial expert, he did a survey of 10,000 people, and what he found was that of those 10,000 people, 74% of millennials believed millionaires inherited their money. 52% of baby boomers did. But only 21% of millionaires received any inheritance at all. Just 16% inherited more than $100,000. Only 3% received an inheritance
0: at or above. This, ha- this has nothing to do with what we're talking about. The fact that America is a country in which it is possible to strike it rich has nothing to do with systemic racism. This is the implicit argument is this, well, blacks, anyone can be a millionaire in this country, why not you? That's the implicit argument that is being made here. And that is, well, ha, to borrow a line from Stefan Molyneux, it's not an argument, friend, because that has nothing to do with the broader trends of racial disparity in income.
1: One million dollars. In reality, the best path toward wealth in this country is income mobility, not inherited wealth.
0: This opened up
3: a wealth of opportunities that they were able to pass on to their kids and grandkids. Even as late as the 1980s, an investigation into the Atlanta real estate market showed that banks were more willing to lend to low-income white families than to middle or upper-income African-American families. As a result, today, for every $100 of wealth held by a white family, black families have $5.04.
0: That is fucking insane. This is, this is, the, start, this is the, the starting track for the race that we're on right now. I want you to really think about that. Like, this is the starting point from which Ben Shapiro believes our race-neutral country should be now void of systemic racism. A
2: 2017 study
3: confirms that redlining is still affecting home values in major cities like Chicago today. This explains how Kevin and Jamal inherited vastly different circumstances.
1: As it turns out, there were some complicating factors that don't get cited.
0: Ah, it- hit me up! Hit me up, Ben! I love it! Whenever I argue with conservatives and you give them, like, factual information on the existence of systemic racism, they're like, "What? Well, well, remember that one guy? Well, what type of weapon did they use for the Murder 1 case where the weapon type is irrelevant to sentencing? Like, yeah.
1: In this video with regard to this data, the Federal Reserve Board Economist tried to explain that this data did not take account of differences that were not income-based. Things like liabilities, employment history, credit record, and other relevant variables.
0: Credit record, known factor that has nothing to do with income. Uh, Let me think for a second. What's the relationship between credit record and income? Let me just... uh, (sighs)
2: <sighs> variables
1: that should have been considered. It should not be particularly surprising that discrimination in the past has impact on the actual income of people who are living in the areas that were denied loans. That-
0: whoa, whoa, whoa. Discrimination in the past contributes to disparate outcomes that whoa, well, that, that's almost like our system has a racist outcome, Ben! Ben, are you doing a turnaround on me?
2: That shouldn't be a major
0: surprise, but that is not- Wait, uh, wait, I don't know. Wait, is it a surprise? I don't know. I'm very surprised right now, Ben. You've surprised me. I- I-, I you, You've done it, you've shocked me. Is this- Oh, we're halfway through the video still. You're almost there, man.
1: The only disparity, obviously. That New York Times piece they are citing says, quote, they estimate the maps account for 15 to 30 percent of the overall gaps in segregation and home ownership that they find between the highest risk area and the second highest risk areas. Those were the ones that were being classified. The truth is that when it comes to redlining, you have to look at the gradations as well. There was always going to be a difference in the availability of loans to people.
0: First of all, if fifteen to thirty percent is recognized to be a product of bias that is known and accounted for, that's evidence of systemic racism right there. Fifteen to thirty percent. If you if you if you go to high school and you get and and, and you're taking your classes and one of the teachers fucking hates you and you talk to the dean and you're like I think I'm getting lower grades because of the teacher and the the dean's like no you're not we looked at all of this and we found that only 15 to 30% of your gr- percentage point reductions have been on account of uh of teacher bias would that would that cause alarm for you would you think would you would you say like oh only 15 to 30 oh okay okay fine all right totally or would you think like oh Okay, so I was right. Second
1: highest risk areas. Those were the segregation and home.
0: How redlining's racist effects lasted for decades. How redlining's racist
2: effects lasted for decades.
0: (sighs) Now give me that, give me that paywall. Ah, yeah, I love it. I love it when you fucking hit me with that paywall. So every single fucking news site needs to have a subscription. All right, they said, this is a short article, 15 to 30%. They estimate the maps account for 15 to 30% of the overall gaps in segregation and home ownership that they find between D&C neighborhoods from 1950 to 2010. The gaps between D&A neighborhoods are clearly even wider. Oh, he didn't mention that. Oh, that's interesting. So he said that only between the shittiest neighborhoods is 15 to 30% of the overall gap accounted for. But if you're accounting for the difference between the nicest and the worst neighborhoods, there's actually a larger, go- oh, oh, I, I understand why he wouldn't make mention of that. Anytime a conservative brings up a study or an article, I strongly encourage you to just look, just go look at it. Just Google it. Just Google the fucking title. Um, fascinating. So the minimum here is 15 to 30% uh, uh, systemic racism between these groups, but much wider between the DNA. Like, okay.
2: You go, Ben be a difference
1: in the availability of loans to people who are living in the highest risk areas as opposed to the people who are in the very lowest risk areas another factor is that if history does make a difference then if you are denied loans in a particular area and if there's less money in those areas and as crime goes up and as property taxes kick in there's not enough money to take and as schools get worse Uh Uh obviously that's going to continue to have effect in that particular area that doesn't mean the same people are yeah yeah Living in that area, who always lived in that area. Or... No,
0: not the same people. The same color of people, generally. Not, the, not this. Not the same people. The same race of people. We're not. We're not tracking systemic discrimination against individual black people. It's. It's about the same demographic of people, generally speaking.
1: Or that people who grew up in that area in 1960 necessarily have to live in that area, or that their grandkids have to live in that we area. We never
0: said they have. Well, why? Well, we did. Uh, well, they say that redlining still exists, and this article irrefutably proves that a lot of the dis- differences in the quality of neighborhoods are a product of redlining, but have you ever considered the possibility that it is legal for you to move outside of the neighborhood that you were born into? Why? 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 Stop! We, we know! This is irrelevant! It's the general demographic trends. It's not what. Well, you know, that cop was beating the shit out of you during a traffic stop. But you do realize that if you had moved slightly to your left, the baton would have swung harmlessly through the air. Um, and uh, uh and in fact, you would not have been being beaten by the cop. So in fact, your decision to continue uh, uh, laying prone there against the side of your car while the cop beat the shit out of you is, uh, well, actually, I mean, you're you kind of consented. Like,
2: what do you what? what?
0: in 2020
3: unfortunately the story doesn't end there a big part of systemic racism is implicit
0: bias hey we got class we learned about this we learned about this earlier
3: these are prejudices in society that people are not aware that
1: they have one of the big problems with implicit bias it is very very difficult to quantify identify and studies that supposedly determine that your implicit bias results in real world action are deeply
0: flawed Prove it. Prove they're deeply flawed. I want to hear. Prove they're deeply flawed. This is government-backed research, leading to massive disparities. Prove they're deeply flawed. Again, the goal here isn't to prove whether or not individuals have implicit bias. The goal is to prove that implicit bias is the only conceivable explanation for certain social outcomes. All of these biases in court? What about the fact that jurors are literally just... Oh, thank you. Are literally no, you may not. Um, are literally just more likely to convict people if they're darker skinned. What about the fact I have a death? What about the death sentence? Black defendants are 4.5 times as likely to receive a death sentence as similarly similarly situated whites. This is an analysis of the relationship between racial stereotyping and death sentence convictions. Black defendants with darker skin and more stereotypically black features were twice as likely to be given the death penalty when accused of murdering a white person as compared to lighter skinned blacks with less stereotypically black features. This disparity no longer exists when the murder victim is black. Like, this is, like, these are extremely highly accounted for studies, many of them which are cited in FBI reports. But, I mean, go off. Implicit bias assessment tests, for example, are so
1: significantly flawed, they are virtually unusable.
0: Yeah, because implicit bias assessment tests are meant to test individuals. When we have studies on implicit bias, we're not testing individuals. We're trying to see if there are other demographic or circumstantial um, uh, 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 ways of accounting for disparity. Let's go back to Kevin and Jamal. Oh, that's all he had to say? He was just like, well, uh, proving implicit bias is hard. If you take a test, it can be hard to tell if you have implicit bias. So, all these studies, every study ever done on implicit bias is deeply flawed.
3: Against all odds, Jamal manages to be the only student from his high school to get accepted into a great university. The same one that Kevin and his high school friends are attending. But after kevin and jamal both graduate jamal notices that his resume isn't drawing as much interest as kevin's
0: oh i'm so ready for i'm so ready for ben burpiro to give the counter argument to this one
3: even though they graduated from the same program with the exact same gpa unfortunately for jamal Studies show that resumes with white I know names what he's gonna say twice as many callbacks as identical resumes with black sounding names.
1: The research is actually yes. a lot more interesting than what is being Do portrayed it. in this video. There are several studies here. There was one famous study that was done that suggested that first name differentiation was indeed being used by employers. So if your name was Lakeisha, for example, this is the name that is actually used in the study. Lakeisha versus Greg, that you are less likely to get a callback. There's another study that showed a historically black last name like W. Washington or Jefferson provided no actual differentiation from historically white names, a like Greenberg, for example. So if your name was Steve Greenberg versus Steve Jefferson, you're just as likely to get a callback as Steve Jefferson. What that suggests in this
0: ah, uh, yes, the black man named Steve. No shit, because last names like Jefferson and Washington don't invoke the same cultural differences. Well, there's no racism here. If you're named Steve Jefferson, um, Uh, as opposed to Steve Gregory, uh, it doesn't actually make a difference. The first names are what matter. This was confirmed by subsequent studies. Ah. Is that the actual
1: issue here is a question of class discrimination, not an issue of race discrimination. Yes, he
0: did it. Ah, he did it. This is a slam fucking dunk for me. Okay. So the original study that was done was one of the most comprehensive studies on implicit bias, uh, implicit bias in employment ever done in the United States of America. Tens of thousands of individual data points were compiled together into the irrefutable fact that if you have names like Tyrone, Laquisha, uh, De Chanel, Like that kind of stuff, you know, if you have very stereotypically black names, you are much less likely to get a call back on your resume. And then, and then some other people came up and they were like, wait, hold on. I don't like the fact that this proves racism exists. Hold on. And they conducted a study which disproved. That original study, I wish I had this in front of me. This is actually part of the data that I was going to put into my research doc, but it's still being compiled and I don't have it in front of me and I don't want to go looking for it and accidentally find the wrong thing. But the um, follow-up study used names like Steve Like Ben Shapiro said, they were using last names, but the first names they used were either race neutral or even white leaning. So they would use names like Ryan and Chloe. Yeah, yeah, Ryan and Chloe. That's what they would use. They were like, hey, you said black people weren't getting calls back, but Ryan and Chloe are getting calls back. So obviously it's not a race thing. That is those are the unironic names of the study, by the way. That's actually real. That's a thing that's that's a real thing that they did. Chloe. I have never met black people named Ryan and Chloe. I never have. I'm sorry. If that's bias on my part, I'm really sorry. I have never. And I, you know what? I never will. I will never meet a black person named Ryan or Chloe. It's never going to happen, okay? Ever. So with that being said... The goal of the follow-up study was to obfuscate the legitimacy of the original research by diluting the available data on the association between resume callbacks and your first names. By redoing the research, but using the most innocuous conceivable names, they were able to bury it. Yeah, nobody's ever gonna pick up a resume, see somebody called like Chloe Washington, and think like, oh, this person's pretty ghetto. But here's the quick question, my friends. Ben Shapiro followed that up by saying, "So it's a class thing, not a race thing." So here's a follow-up question: How do you tell a person's class
2: by their name? Tyrone.
0: Let's really think for a minute. Try to imagine a connection there that doesn't involve racism or racial bias. You you read the name Shaniqua, and you think low class. How do you get from A to B without racial bias? The answer is you literally can't. The association is between ghetto names and poor black people. That's the association. But that is a heavily racialized association. That is a bias which is Irrevocably associated with race. So what Ben Shapiro is doing here when he says it's actually a class thing is he is proving he is racist, and that's not. I'm not being flippant there. He is proving his racial bias because if he can effortlessly uh, associate names like Shaniqua and low class and then reduce that exclusively to a class thing, he is very clearly indicating that's an association he holds true as well. I bet you Ben Shapiro, as owner of the Daily Wire, has turned down many a Shaniqua looking to get in on his uh, particular political outfit.
1: In other words, the reason that people are discriminating against Lakeisha, as opposed to against Steve Johnson or Steve Washington, is because people are actually using the first name as a stand-in for social class. They are figuring that if you're named Lakeisha, it's because you probably came from a more impoverished background. Now,
0: this- Hmm, oh,
1: he's making this very easy for me. Hmm. This is not restricted to the black community. This happens in the Jewish community as well.
0: Oh, really? What Jewish names suggest low class? Find one for me, Ben.
1: If you get an applicant and the applicant's name is Ben, you might treat that applicant different than if that person's name is Benjamin. You might treat a Menachem different than you treat a Mike.
0: You might, so let's see the data on it. I'm not going to argue there's no anti-Semitism in America, but if that's real, then prove it. Show data on it. Also, would it be, I don't think it would read Benjamin, on the paper, I think it would just look like Benjamin. But, uh, but again, like, what he's saying right now is literally like, so there's bias in other places, so the bias against black people can't exist. Dude, if there's data on anti-Semitism in hiring practices, which is totally possible, then sure, I mean, Jews are an oppressed class of people. So, yeah, makes sense.
1: And that is because you are trying to read into the person your perceptions of culture or perceptions of class, not really perceptions of race.
0: Oh, oh, yeah, your perceptions of culture. Oh, yeah, there's no racial element there. Oh, yeah, when, oh, when I see Shaniqua Washington on my applicant's resume, I'm reading into their, there's no race involved. I'm just looking at class and culture. I mean, it's true. Ben, racism can never exist if you have this high of a standard to set. If this is if this is if this is like the line you're drawing, like that someone can look at Shaniqua, say, "Nope," and you're like, "Well, that's actually a completely racially ambivalent look at a cultural difference." Aren't you the person who complains about black culture? Dude, Ben Ben doesn't think rap is music. So, we know for a fact Ben is already one of these like full tilt black culture sucks like they just need to pull themselves up by their bootstraps type um that's
1: really really important when you look at these particular studies and suggest that racial discrimination rather than class distinctions are at the basis of whatever hiring discrimination is happening
0: here but associating typically black names with class and with culture is the racism
3: Implicit bias is one of the reasons why the black unemployment rate is twice the rate of white unemployment.
1: Well, this tends to neglect one key factor. What did you major in? What did you study? It turns out that people who major in education aren't going to do as well as people who major in engineering.
0: Prove, prove it. Prove that the um, prove that the um. Wait, 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 wait. Oh God, this is so stupid. Holy fuck! First of all, prove it. Prove that white and black graduates have same unemployment rates across their majors. Second of all. Do you think the black unemployment rate is college graduates, you fucking numbskull? Hole, I can't believe he actually said that. Wait, do you think the black unemployment rate is made up of people who have graduated from college? Do you think that's where that's coming from? Oh, yeah, 14.3% of the black population is unemployed. It's all these people still in their fucking caps and gowns walking around with gender studies degrees. That's the reason why there's a disparity, you know? Oh, yeah. Very big brain, Shapiro. You have truly accounted for the one obfuscating variable. Right? Not, not, you have, God, you are so smart, Ben. According to research from the Center
1: on Education and the Workforce at Georgetown University, this is a quote from PBS African American college students are more likely to pursue majors that lead to low paying jobs, setting up many for future debt and underemployment.
0: Low paying jobs. So, how many of the unemployed um, black people are college graduates? Let's actually find that data. Every time I look up the data they cite, I end up being right. African Americans overrepresented among low-paying college majors. Damn, you're telling me there aren't a lot of black kids coming out of the ghetto who are majoring in fucking STEM and engineering? Let's find out. In contrast, black college students are overrepresented in service oriented fields, humanity, education and social work. Um, Okay, where does this mention unemployment? Oh.
2: It doesn't. It sets you up
0: for underemployment, which is not unemployment, Ben. Underemployment is when you're not being paid enough. Unemployment is when you don't have a job. Here, let me control F. Unemploy- Oh, what is that system error noise? Wait, maybe it's just employment. Maybe they say low employment. Oh, we've got one match and it's from underemployment. You fucking weasel. They never say unemployment. He just lied. He lied about the contents of the study. You always Google the sources they use. You always Google the sources they use every single time.
2: So not only did he lie... Not only did he lie, but
0: um, he uh, 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 failed to respond to the underlying point, which is why black um, unemployment is so much higher. Oh! Whoa! Black unemployment is significantly higher than white unemployment regardless of educational attainment. Whoa! Wow, and they're massively overrepresented for people who have no high school diploma, a high school diploma, or some college experience. And black people who have a bachelor's degree, so actually who choose a major, are below the national unemployment rate. As of 2015. Wow! Wow, so the majors they choose have literally fucking nothing to do with the unemployment rate, and they're still disproportionately represented in unemployment across every board. What, ah, he's wrong on everything. How do people think this guy is smart?
1: Are more likely to pursue majors that lead to low paying jobs, setting up many for future debt and underemployment. Over time, these occupational- All
0: sources linked in the description. Benny boy, Benny boy, Benny boy. Don't link these in the description. Don't, you shouldn't link things in the description when they don't support your points, Benny boy. You, sh- you shouldn't say that. Choices contribute to the wealth and opportunity. gap. Oh, did he say underemployment? Wait, did he say underemployment? In which case, what he said, he didn't lie, but he was just like, it had nothing to do with unemployment. Engineering, according to
1: research from the Center on Education and the Workforce at Georgetown University, this is a quote from PBS, African American college students are more likely to pursue majors that lead to low paying jobs, setting up many for future debt and underemployment. Over time, these- Oh,
0: then he, then there was never a point. Then there's nothing that- Wait, okay, so we didn't lie. Credit to him. But then what the fuck does this have to do with the point? Underemployment isn't unemployment.
2: I... I... I mean...
1: ...pational choices contribute to the wealth and opportunity gap between whites and blacks that spans generations. Anthony Carnival, who's the director of the program, says basically African-Americans have been going to the right church but sitting in the wrong pew. In a way, they are using education to climb the social and economic ladder, but they're being steered toward majors that will make them low earners. So, in other words,
0: low earners isn't unemployment, Ben. The stat you're referring to is on black unemployment.
1: There are several confounding factors that are not being taken into account in this video. One, what college did you go to? Two, what did you major?
0: Do you think the college you. Wait, wait, you can't. Wait, 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 wait. No, the unemployment rate is not tied to college graduation. It's ubiquitous across every level of education for black people. So that's irrelevant.
1: And three, what kind of job did you get afterward?
0: You can see if you got a job, you're not unemployed. He, he tur- he's so used to debating college H- SJWs that he turned this into a conversation on how underwater basket weaving is like a bad like, career choice for black people or whatever. Like, he completely pulled away from the unemployment point.
3: The evidence of systemic racism in every area of life. The disparities in family wealth, incarceration rates, political representation, and education are all examples of systemic racism.
0: I have data on every single one of these points, but I know that for a fact Ben Shapiro is about to say some dumb shit that would take like 90 minutes to fully respond to.
1: Now we reach the crux of the matter. The basic idea here is that any inequality can be chalked up to systemic racism. We are now ghost hunting.
0: Nope, that is not the claim that was made. Only that systemic uh, racial inequality contributes to these disparities.
1: Notice, they've said nothing in this video about incarceration. Nothing about incarceration.
0: I have data on incarceration, if you'd like to look at that.
1: The simple assumption is that if more black people percentage-wise are arrested than white people, that must be due to systemic racism.
0: Nope, that is not a claim made in the video. Pro- like, you, I mean, you're assuming they're making that claim. It'd be nice if you actually stuck to the claims that were being made. If you were actually uh, responding to the claims being made, then you would make the argument that uh, uh, you have data proving there's no racial bias in any of the systems that they pulled out. But you don't have that data, so instead you're going to strawman, and I guess you're going to argue with that now.
1: And not due to the number of crimes being committed by individuals who make a decision to commit a crime. When it comes to representation, the truth is there are many, many black Americans in Congress. We've had a black president of the United States. We had a people black president. People choosing to run and people are choosing to
0: vote. That is an- well, you, say, you say America is a racist country. I point you to Exhibit A. In 2008, the election of one Barack Hussein Obama. Jesus Christ. Right. We did it, folks. It's done. We did it. We beat racism. Nice. Throwing them all, see what sticks. Obama didn't face any racial bias during his presidency. An ...aspect
1: of American freedom. And when it comes to education, there are plenty of affirmative action programs that exist at virtually every
0: major university. In- why? To account for what? Why does, why does affirmative action exist? Why? Why they put in place? For fun? For funsies? Why? To respond to what?
1: In fact, their entire university systems, like the University of California, have gotten rid of the SAT and the ACT as admissions criteria, specifically because they weren't allowing enough minority students to attend.
0: Bullshit. Bullshit. UC makes landmark decision to drop ACT. We're going to find that. I bet you he's lying on that shit, too. UC makes landmark
2: uh, decision to drop ACT and SAT requirement for admission. Uh that's from the LA Times. Here's the
0: LA Times. It's the same article? Yep, it's the same article. Okay. I'm willing and ready to get blown the fuck out here uh if uh if that uh
2: does end up happening.
0: Whether or not the standardized tests unfairly discriminate against disadvantaged students or provide a useful tool to evaluate college applicants It'll be um, optional in applicants for the next two years and then eliminated for um, CSU students or sorry, California students three and four. By fall, its own assessment. Evaluate on other things. UC has already suspended the SAT and ACT testing requirement for fall of 2021 due to test cancellations triggered by COVID-19.
2: This article is terribly written. Where's the for and against?
0: UC's decision to drop the uh, decision to require the SAT half a century ago, catapulted the test to a place of national prominence, uh, prominence and the threat to drop in the early 1990s, prompted the college Board to revive the test. Critics say the SAT and ACT are heavily influenced by race income and parental education levels, question the exam's value in predicting college success, and express concern about inequitable access to test preparation. Those concerns have prompted more than a thousand colleges and universities to drop the testing requirement. And a lawsuit? Wait, this isn't wait, this isn't just CA schools. Universities across the country have been dropping these as testing requirements. This looks like an extremely complicated issue, and one of the central arguments against these are that they they are heavily influenced by race, income, and parental education levels, and that they don't actually predict college success. Which seems like it might be true, considering the fact that universities have dropped the testing requirement. So, if I were to interpret this charitably, the argument would probably be that There is probably some decent evidence that this um, isn't that useful for determining college application, like viability, and probably has some biased elements to it. At no point here is anyone making the claim that they're just dropping it so they can get more minorities in. That's, by the way, I just want you guys to know, that is how racists phrase things. So here's an example, like, let me think, let me think. How can I, um, how can I, um, how can I think of a parallel here? Okay. imagine you have a biased system and then you fix the bias. A reasonable person would say this system is now more equal. It better tests who should go forward. And a racist person might say, oh, they changed it to let more minorities in. Do you see what Ben Shapiro did there? by fundamentally reframing the reason for the decision being made by reframing it as bleeding heart liberals who just want to see more black and brown people in higher education then this system is fundamentally unfair and we can make it more fair i mean i actually saw this argument again uh before it was in um birth of a nation remember in birth of the nation when the uh, when the weak um the weak abolitionists uh, just wanted to see more black people in Congress, so they could like eat fried chicken and put their um, put their bare feet up on the uh, on the desks. And um, and the way that Birth of a Nation framed it was that they just wanted more black people in Congress, rather than they wanted equal access for black people into Congress. Have you have you seen it? Have you seen Birth of the Nation? This is a very very old trick. The di- the differentiation between you want a more equal system and you want a system to just allow more black and brown people, is the difference between how egalitarians and racists frame certain things. So it's very interesting to me that Ben Shapiro would frame this in such a way. As admissions criteria specifically because they
1: weren't allowing enough minority students to attend. So- mm,
0: yeah, I don't know if that, I mean, that wasn't in the article that you uh, put up there, Ben, I don't know. Uh, seems like they were arguing it just wasn't a very fair test. So to attribute all inequality to
1: systemic racism is simply to say that everything you don't-
0: Nobody said all inequality is due to systemic racism, but keep strawmanning, my dude. Like, must be due to systemic racism. No! Nope. Unfortunately, the biggest challenge with systemic Didn't respond to a single thing that was said by the video here, by the way.
3: systemic racism is that there's no single person or entity responsible for it.
0: Wrong. Ben Shapiro is.
3: Which makes it very hard to solve. So what can you do? The first thing you can do is work towards becoming more aware of your own implicit biases.
1: We should always, as decent people, be re-examining our own biases and trying to wipe out bad thoughts we may be having about
0: other people, but- Said Ben, actually discriminating against shikikwa or Laquiqua or whatever is actually a culture and class thing. There's no race involved. Oh yeah, when I, when I throw out my, um, this, this resume application from Shadenel, uh, it's actually uh because uh, I can I can read the class off of the uh, lettering. Ben, rid yourself of implicit biases, Shapiro.
1: The idea that something as vague as you had a bad thought about a group is now
0: responsible
1: for the income inequality between black and white is sort of a- what the
0: fuck are you t- nobody what. Did the video at any point say, having one errant thought, you are now responsible for all bias in America? Jesus Christ, the snowflakery on this people. They get so fucking offended when, like, at anything, like, the the mere possibility that bias exists, they have to freak the fuck out about it.
1: ...an absurd contention in the absence of any available evidence.
3: What are some prejudices that you might hold that you're not aware of? Second, let's acknowledge that the consequences of slavery and Jim Crow laws are still affecting access to opportunity today.
0: Is he going to argue about this? Because this is indisputable, please. He even acknowledged it earlier, that history has consequences. He even acknowledged this earlier. Please don't, Ah, uh, don't take the bait, Ben. I know you want to say we're over slavery. It was 150 years ago, I know, but please don't take the bait.
1: It is certainly plausible <clears throat> that slavery and Jim Crow have affected how people's paths have gone in life. And it's
0: certainly plausible. It might have happened. There's there's a small likelihood. It's, I could, and I can fathom, if I really think really hard about it, I can see some slight ways. In the
1: circumstances of their birth. But the question is, how much? If we are going to change policy, and if we are going to effectuate change, shouldn't we be focused more on what are the bad policies today that specifically are keeping people down? And what behaviors can we change today to make our opportunities better?
0: Ye- yes, that's the point of the video, yes. Yes, what, could, what behaviors can we change? What policies can we change? Yes, that's the point. What, what, wait, what are you about to suggest the video is actually about? Rather than focusing in on- What is it gonna be? On
1: slavery or Jim Crow.
0: What? Wait, 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 wait. They're just saying that those things have had consequences. That would be like watching this video and saying, like, don't you think we should be talking about policy differences, not about this kid named Jamal who went to a bad school? Like, this is completely tangential. It supports the broader argument. Why are you- why are you doing this? Why? The fact is that even if you buy
1: into the entire narrative of systemic racism promoted- The narrative. ...by this video, it changes nothing, and the video is even
0: acknowledging as much. As a result- Wait, 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 wait! What do you mean it changes nothing? The video was pointing out that a thing exists, explaining the ways in which it exists, and then talking about what we can do to change the ways in which it exists. What do you mean nothing? Like, is it supposed to fix racism in itself? Well, I don't get... Ah. Well, this law doesn't have any bills uh, that have been uh, uh, ratified by the um, Congress and Senate and voted on and then uh, signed by the president. So in actuality, this video does nothing.
3: We should support systemic changes that create more equal opportunities for everyone, increasing public school funding and making it independent from property taxes.
0: That's a very big meme, like good meme, by the way, that's a good meme. Um, Separating school funding from property taxes would be one of the biggest things that we could do to um, to address systemic poverty or like longstanding poverty and income inequality and stuff like that.
3: Would be a great start so that poor and wealthy districts can receive equal access to resources.
1: The suggestion that simply pouring money into public schools is somehow going to be the solution has been belied by nearly every independent study ever done of public education.
0: Not just pouring money in, allowing for a more equi- equitable distribution of wealth so that you can then address some of the systemic issues like low class sizes and the like. Um, guys, Ben Shapiro is right here to an extent. Um, just pouring money into a school doesn't seem to get better outcomes here. Um, there, there are many studies that say that. However, the idea that underfunding doesn't negatively impact the ability for schools to teach is ridiculous. You can't look at a, at a, at a study and say, well, pouring money into schools doesn't seem to help much. Therefore, there's no relationship between funding and school quality. That's a, it's a bit of a leap there.
1: Obviously, we should be spending more on, sit- on schools where not enough spending is going on where there aren't Wait, then why did you object? School books or there aren't enough desks, but the real problem that's existing in education. Well,
2: well, well
0: what? The-, the video was literally like, well, we should try to get more money to these schools. And Ben was like, "Huh. Just putting money into schools doesn't really solve anything." Now, obviously, we should put more money into these schools. Why? What are you doing?
1: performance has very little to do with income and a lot more to do with the access to educational opportunity provided in in homes if you have a single family home it is very difficult for mom to be able to help with homework if you
0: and you know what helps with single parent households having schools that have enough money put into them that they can have after school programs that keep kids out off the streets and in schools with their peers for longer and also make it easier for the um for the parent to get shit done without also having to like fucking manage a kid yeah Better school lunches so that these kids can get some of their food from, stop making them pay for their own fucking school lunches.
1: You don't allow kids to go to better schools outside their neighborhood rather than simply
0: That doesn't fix anything. Vouchers don't fix anything systemically for demographics. They allow individuals in slim situations to do better.
1: Pouring money into failed neighborhood schools, then you're not really granting
0: opportunity. Failed neighborhood schools. What does that mean to, what does that mean to Ben? Failed neighborhood school. Like, do you just give up on it? Like hundreds or thousands of students go to that failed neighborhood school. What do you do? You you, like, oh, actually, we'll stop giving them any money. Just like burn it down. Like, will that fix it? Yeah, fuck those kids.
3: Systemic problems require systemic solutions. Luckily, we're all part of the system, which means that we all have a role to play in making it better.
0: Peace. It's easy enough to say it's going to complain about the gang sign in making it better. Peace. You claim, you claim to want to improve the outcomes for black students, but at the end you throw up a, a, an urban individual uh, uh, wielding some kind of, um, uh, some kind of archaic gang sign. Uh, I can't imagine this is a good, uh, I can't imagine this is a good, uh, uh, uh you know, a representation of the community, but maybe this is the, the example they want to set. Alright, I'll move on, sorry. He's got a gun. Mr. Shapiro, get down. It's easy enough to say that we all have a role
1: in making the system better. But when you suggest very few practical solutions other than rote democratic policies
0: that have been- No, they literally nothing, none of the policies they suggested were bad.
1: And failed nearly every time they've tried. It makes it difficult to believe this isn't just a political ploy
0: rather than an argument in favor of- What do you mean? What does that mean? Political ploy? Everything that we're talking about is politics. You pass laws through Congress. It's all politics. Conservatives do this every single time. Well, you're just you're just using the BLM riots as a political ploy to get your agenda pushed. It's politics. What do you mean? What? Oh, oh, I'm sorry. I'll try to fix the problems in this country in a non-political way. And yeah, he complains about Democratic policy. Find me a fucking Republican who has ever, at least over the past sixty years since the uh, party shifted, who has ever actually like meaningfully proposed legislation to deal with systemic racial inequality
1: of bettering individual human lives. To deny the effect of- We don't
0: want individual human lives to be better. We want demographic communities of millions to be better. If you wanted an individual human's life to be better, then you could just find the, the individual human life that had the best odds for success and just crow and support them. We're talking about fixing a very large problem.
1: Of history would be idiotic. History obviously has consequences, and to mm-hmm. deny that racism exists would be similarly idiotic. But to a-
0: well, well, wait, well, hold on. You kind of did that. Uh, never mind. I'm tired. This has been going on for too long.
1: Tribute every problem in American life to racism. Nobody said
0: that is to be foolish. And nobody said every problem. You're making shit up, Ben. Stick to arguing with college students, Ben.
1: Counterproductive and not to make the world a better place. For nice. more on
0: a lot of these. Nope. You're not advertising on my channel, motherfucker. Get out of here. Jesus Christ, why did I decide to do that? Issue a debate challenge at the end? Debate me, Ben.